0: Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my
1: board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! vista, baby!
2: Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to have a great guest on today. You know what I have to do, though, before we start, which is remind you, subscribing to the OBR YouTube channel makes it an easy thing for you. Every time we go live, you get pinged. We did not go live tonight. That's okay. We're going to do this in just audio form, but typically we'll go on live and we'll have a little a little you know visit with our guest in live form that you can jump in and have conversations with. Also, please, 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 please subscribe to this podcast. Give it a nice little review if you can. And a written response always helps too. It has been a fantastic month for us. You guys are, you're tuning into this thing every day. And I can't believe that because it's a tough time for Browns content. I promise you this thing will get more fun as the Browns start to get into camp and start playing. There's a lot of stuff to discuss. I still think as the Browns are in a sort of interesting time with the head of their, their you know, the NFLPA as the leader in the in the locker room and how all of that stuff works out. So I try to bring on as many guests, as you know, from varying standpoints, not just OBR guys, but I think there are, is a wealth of great uh, coverage up in Cleveland, and I try to vary that stuff up. So today's host, who has been very supportive of me, uh, who I think the world of as far as coverage from not just the Browns, but everything in Cleveland, Dennis Maniloff. He's at D-Mans World 474. He's got his own podcast going, which you need to subscribe to the Dennis Maniloff Show. Make sure you do that. I'm going to welcome in Dennis now. Dennis, my man, how are you doing? We are pumped to have you on.
1: Jake, it's an honor and a privilege to be on with you, my man. Thank you very much for uh, giving me the call. Of course. Of course. It's my privilege. So let's jump right into
2: this thing hot and heavy. How How excited are you? I guess not, not excited is the word, but how much belief do you have in this Browns team compared to some other teams that have flirted with success? Maybe 08, maybe 03, teams that have come off nice runs. I know 03, they made the playoffs. 07, they probably should have made the playoffs. Uh, I just kind of like, do you see this as a real long-term functional franchise now?
1: Ask me on the night of uh, September 12th after the (laughs) Browns have played in Kansas City uh, in the opener, then I'll have a a better feel. Uh, No, I I kid because that game I honestly expect the Chiefs to win. I'm not trying to dog the Browns, but that's going to be a tough ask for the Browns to go into Arrowhead and beat uh, the Chiefs who are going to be foaming at the mouth with an Arrowhead crowd. But uh, as far as the team goes and the expectations uh, yeah I, I haven't felt like this in a while and you say, well, what about a couple of years ago? Yeah, a couple of years ago, but it it felt like the the hype was built on sand uh, you know it was built on hot air because mm-hmm. you know we had the the kitchens you don't wear brown and orange, you don't matter, and everybody felt great about that and you know, you thought kitchens and baker were gonna take this uh, team to great heights. But the fact of the matter is they were coming off of a losing season. This time the hype machine is in full gear. The Browns are getting lavished with praise everywhere, but the difference is they're coming off of 11 and five. They're coming off of a playoff victory and, uh, you know, a one and one playoff run, but at least they got a playoff victory out of it. So it's a different feel. It, it, it's like, the hype is justified and i've listened to many many analysts including you i mean you're one of the ones at, at close to the top if not the top of people i trust when i want to know okay are the browns legit and one after another including you say this is a legitimate roster this is not smoke and mirrors this is not a team that's going to have to you know trick people to win games and so that's why I have a really good feeling about this team.
2: Let me throw this at you. You can call me crazy. I, I Loyal listeners of this podcast have heard me say it, but I'll throw it to you too. Is I think this team thrives on a nobody-believes-in-us attitude, especially seemed to be a thing last year where nobody really believed in them. Uh, there was, there was uh, you know, throughout the season, whether it was starting behind the eight ball with the Baltimore game and not getting any of the necessary things to prepare, And, and it's like, to me, Dennis, I think everybody's throwing praise on them pretty similar to 2019. But two things stand out to me, I think it's a team that had enough people in the locker room to learn from 2019 to say, we were, you mentioned it a minute ago, a lot of hot air was thrown at them a lot of people, they were a popular pundit pick when they got OBJ to make some serious moves. I think there were enough people in that locker room to understand what went wrong, that it really serves them well for this year. And is it because this? nobody really believed in them last year and they thrived on that, but now they're getting that heaped praise again. So my kind of angle here is, and again, tell me if I'm crazy, is that they had enough core guys understand where it went wrong in 2019, that that year will serve as a great, great, great example for them. But at the same time, you mentioned that Kansas City game, I really, really like the fact that even what you just said, Dennis, which is I don't think they're going to win. I think that they needed that. I think they need. And I'm not I don't want wrong. your
1: audience to be mad at me for no, saying that. But.
2: No, no. The, the the line is the line. People obviously don't think they're going to win. I I would be surprised if they win. To be to be totally fair, because it's a it's a huge ask. It's a huge ask to go down to beat Pat Mahomes is ten and zero in the month of September in football games. Like it's if it, the data is real, like Kansas City doesn't lose at home early in the season, especially with Andy Reid's. Uh, wrinkles he comes up with every year, a full offseason. You know, Andy Reid's record is crazy off of bye week alone. Think about what he does in a full offseason. So, like, my theory there is that they needed week one to be a, a group of people saying they're not going to win because I think it'll help them. Do you, are you buying what I'm saying, or do you think I'm just kind of floating off in left field?
1: No, I I buy what you're saying, uh, Jake. I think that they'll have plenty of, uh, you know, nobody gives us a chance for the opener, as you just discussed. Uh, After that, it's going to be incumbent upon the bake show to create the, the Michael Jordan style grudges and the Michael Jordan style slights, even if he has to make them up because Mm -hmm. you know, you can lose that Kansas city, no shame, but you come home to Houston. You got to win that game. You, 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 you're home against Chicago. You have to win that game. You're at Minnesota. You better win uh, that game for your coach. (laughs) Uh, you know, and and here we are, you you hear you're sitting three and one and, uh, feeling good about yourselves again. So, um, they have the, they're going to have to figure out if they want to play the underdog card, it's going to be hard to do early in the year because as I see it, you know, especially given the home field situation, becoming more of an advantage, as we get farther away from the, you know, the teeth of COVID, the more people you put in the stands, the, you figure to have more of an advantage for the home team. But you add that with the uh, caliber of competition, the Browns face in the first, uh, you know, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks. And I see at Kansas City as a problem. I see at Minnesota as a potential But again, I think the Browns will win that game because it's the Stefanski Bowl at the Chargers could be uh, dangerous with Herbert doing his thing. But other than that, you know, I mean, the Browns should get off to a really good start and perhaps even uh, a great start if they beat Minnesota and the the Chargers because the other opponents before uh, Pittsburgh in week uh, eight or game eight are Denver at home, Arizona at home. Chicago at home, Houston at home. So it, the motivation of being slighted is not, I don't think, going to be there. They're going to have to make it up mm-hmm. and, and create something out of, uh, you know, if they want to use the bulletin board material or the greaser board material. Yeah, they better capitalize on all that energy before Kansas City because it's out the window after that. You're right. That's a great
2: point. You brought up Baker. You brought up the need to manufacture – uh, ways to keep him motivated and uh, I don't think that's a secret thing most great athletes find ways to do that somehow some way uh, Baker's no different and you're Andrew Barry Dennis it's a tough question but you're Andrew Barry where do you sit on an extension for him do you truly believe in him or do you think this is a massive Matt we talked about last year being a very important year for him do you think this year is more important or are you already of the belief that this is the guy they need for the next 10-15 years and we'll just ride the journey with him How about
1: both? Uh, If that's called punting, then I'm punting. Uh, (laughs) I answer yes to both questions, Jake, because on one hand, I believe that this front office does believe in Baker Mayfield. On the other hand, I think they know that they don't have to be backed into a corner and they have some wiggle room here and they can, they can uh, present another show me season to Baker Mayfield and say, okay, you showed us last year. You really did a nice job. We want to see it again. And maybe that's what the bake show needs. You know, maybe that's what he needs to grind his axe every week. Oh, the front office doesn't think I can do it. Oh, really? Well, I'm going to show them. Mm-hmm. I mean, all we have to do is look north to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he pretty much said so last night on Sports Center when he was talking to Kenny Main on Main's way out the door. He was talking about, you know, the culture and everything. It's more than just wins and losses. He says he loves his teammates and all that. He was clearly taking a shot at the front office. And one of the comments he made was a monkey wrench was thrown into it when I won the MVP. And I was kind of shocked that people today, you know, didn't pick up on that because to me what Rodgers was saying was, I'm mad because they were going to try to lowball me. They were claiming that I was on the downside of my career, and they weren't giving me anywhere close to what I think I'm worth in the uh, talks for an extension. And he's the monkey wrench is he came went out there and stuck it to him and said, "Oh, you think I'm on the decline? Well, watch this." And he had arguably his best season, the best season of his career, and now. You know, now what? And now Rodgers is saying, you will pay me because I am the reigning MVP, but you're not willing to do it, so I want to get out of there. Mm-hmm. In the case of Baker, he could privately, I would think he wouldn't say it publicly, but privately he could say, hey, if they're not going to extend me right now, I'll show them. And you know what? That That's great for Browns fans because that means we're going to get the best possible Baker Mayfield in 2021. And that's a, it's the exact same thing Mina Kim said when
2: I had her on the other day, which is if he ends up doing what you're saying, Dennis, like th- then we won't care because he had a fantastic season. And if he has a 35-40 touchdown season and flirts with the MVP race, goes to the Super Bowl, or, or sorry, I should say Pro Bowl, and maybe the Browns flirt with the Super Bowl or go there, crazy enough, we won't care. Give him whatever he wants because we want the guy to be the answer long-term that's that's the fact of the matter so I do hope there's some inner motivation that happens there and it takes off due to it and it can work out for both sides because that's what uh that's what everybody wants in this situation so pretty excited about that Uh, that
1: let me jump jump in I'm sorry I don't mean to jump in on you the host but there's also the the Nick Chubb situation that's hanging out there and to an extent you know the uh Denzel Ward situation because you know, they the Browns have to figure out how they're going to allocate their dollars, and and Chubb really is a uh, an interesting element that not a lot of teams have. Not a lot of teams when they're deciding on whether to pay their quarterback look to the running back and go, you know what, we need to pay the running back too. That doesn't happen all that often in today's NFL, but in the case of the Browns, Nick Chubb is worth the time and the thought and quite possibly the dollars because he's that kind of a player and that kind of a a locker room presence and a team presence and a leader. So I think that can complicate matters a little bit if you're the Browns front office. It's not as easy as just saying, well, we're going to pay the quarterback. We don't have any running backs.
2: For sure. For sure. And I, I I've said it again on this pod many times until until a team proves that they won't pay an elite running back. It's talked about. People try to say it all the time about these contracts, with these guys. But until a team proves they won't pay one of them, I'm going to presume that they're all going to pay them. And and Nick Chubb is no exclusion from that. So, yeah, that's it's spot on. The, the, there's huge decisions coming. You talked about Denzel let's kind of branch over to the defense. And I think we could, we could, the, the offense is largely unchanged. Let me, before we get to defense, let me ask you this question in your opinion. You've been covering the Browns for a long time, Dennis. And, and have you, can you ever think of a time when, and I guess this also includes the defense, but that's whatever, that there was so little change from one year to the next, where like literally every single coach on the staff is back. Every single front office Uh, personnel person is back how rare is this for Cleveland
1: it's rare in my uh, professional lifetime because I began writing about the Browns uh, you know in the 90s I I was never anywhere close to the principal beat person you know but I would I would gladly carry the bags uh, for Tony Grossi or Mary Kay whenever they asked and you know I wrote a lot of sidebars from games and, and whatnot notebooks uh, so i i've been writing about the browns uh, off and on since the 90s but before that is the time when i can try to answer your question i'm guessing and i don't have the rosters in front of me year over year but i'm guessing bernie ball mid to late 80s ex, you know was a uh, a limited amount of turnover i'm fairly certain though the, the third afc title team in the four-year stretch, with Bud Carson at the helm, I'm pretty sure there was a, a decent amount of turnover there, mm-hmm. even though, you know, Bernie was still there. But I think Bernie from 85 to through 88, I think those teams had a lot of guys coming back. That's, that's the earliest I can recall this type of,
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
2: It's rare. It's really rare. For I mean, I've, I've only been covering them for four years ish now, but, 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 you know, just thinking back to when I've been watching them from a young age, it's just a sort of unprecedented feeling. Now, I think eventually there will be offshoots of Kevin Stefanski's coaching tree if the defense does as well as we think they're going to. Joe Woods will become an intriguing candidate. The Browns will try to groom coaches from within the structure. We'll see if that pans out. There's there's levels of success they still have to find before that becomes something that even flirts with coming you know to fruition. We'll, we'll see. Well, we'll talk defense now uh, because it's – it's such a massive upheaval of, of, of turnover. I don't know if when Andrew Barry was hired, Dennis, if they thought, well, year one, we're going to fix the offense, and year two, we're going to fix the defense, or if it just worked out that way, that <laughs> they, if they just struck like goal. And I know, it does feel like it, but I, I do wonder if it was like, okay, we really want Hooper, we really want Conklin, and okay, now we're going to draft, and we like Jedrick Wills, it's a loaded tackle class, he's available that kind of thing, if it just happened naturally, is an interesting thing. I would love to, to, to drink some beer with Andrew Barry and ask him some of those questions from a philosophical standpoint. But they fixed this defense on paper. And I always say this, my theory, you know, people talk about the Browns or well, they're only on paper. But well, you got to be an on paper team before you're a real team, you just have to. You have to have talent on paper before you ever become a team that can then resurface itself onto a field. And actually, becoming a Super Bowl contender, you don't see Super Bowl teams that don't have the pieces on paper. It's just not a thing. You got to have them. So, defense—they add the names. Which Which of the names they've added could be free agency, could be the draft, whatever. Which ones are you most keyed in on and excited about this year?
1: Well, I'm going to go with the uh, first with the guy who has a a resume in the NFL, John Johnson III. Um, Mm -hmm. I've admired him from afar. I managed to watch as I'm sure you did and, and others, because it seemed like the Rams were on a decent amount over the past couple of years. Uh, you got to see John Johnson play and you got to see the type of impact that he had um, on the Rams defense. So I'm really excited that the uh, the Browns brought him in. And then you, you really start to salivate about the possibilities at safety with Johnson and then Delpit coming back didn't play it down last year, you know, highly regarded coming out of LSU in the draft, uh, you know, the previous year and I mean that year that he got hurt, which would have been uh, 2020, but wasn't unable to play because of injury, a significant injury by the way, the Achilles. So um, can Delpit come back? Can he look like the guy that the Browns thought they were drafting uh, out of LSU? to combine him with Johnson and then, you know, Harrison back there. So I'm really excited now about the safeties. Whereas, you know, with with respect to, I got to say this, every NFL player is great. All right. Mm -hmm. That's a starting point. I, I try to tell people all the time, whenever I critique an NFL player, I am in no way, shape or form saying that I could do, the job <laughs> like they can. I mean, the, or I could have done the job like they could when I was in my 20s. I mean, these guys are incredible. The worst NFL player is better than 99.99999% of the population in the world. So it's not that I'm trying to dog the Brown safeties at the end of the year, but injuries had created havoc over there and you had kind of a, a mishmash and it was exploited. Well, with Johnson back there and then Harrison with his experience and hopefully Delpit, all of a sudden you feel like you've got a safety core that is not going to be exploited, that's going to be really, really good. So I think that is the the acquisition I'm most excited about from a resume standpoint. From an, a newcomer standpoint, it's the Joker, J-O-K, Um, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa I mean, he was my favorite prospect coming out of the draft because I had a radio show and I had to do a draft show for that radio show. And I did a lot of homework, you know, a fraction of the kind of homework that Jake Burns does. But I, I did a lot of homework on the draft. And, you know, even before I was doing the homework, I had watched a lot of Notre Dame games on TV just because they were on TV. Mm -hmm. And this one guy kept making plays. He was flying around on defense and Tariko was talking about him and Dungy was talking about him and it was the Joker, JOK. And I call him the Joker. I mean, some people just call him JOK, but I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, man, it'd be cool if he ever played for the Browns because the one thing that I begged the Browns regimes over the years to get is a playmaker, linebacker, even if he's hybrid, even if he's undersized. Give me some kind of guy that just flies around, makes plays, blows people up, you know, separates the football from the player, may dislodge the helmet from the player and doing it legally, by the way. Um, You know, that kind of a guy the Browns have been desperate for. And I believe they have this guy now in the Joker. The fact that they were able to get him in the second round is – is tremendous to me. I, I didn't think it was possible. Um, the fact that they were able to come out of the 2021 draft with Newsom and the Joker is just unbelievable. I was pinching myself. Like, how is this possible? Especially when the picks wound up being 26 and 52. Hey, you don't think if you're the Browns, you're coming out of the 26 and 52 with both of those guys. And I know they traded up you know, to get to 52 in order to snag uh, the Joker. But still, it was 26 picks apart, Newsom and and the Joker. So you would have thought by even the late 30s or mid-30s, Owusu-Koromo would have been gone. So incredible two uh, picks for the Browns to open that draft. And I think they're both going to make a significant impact right away. I mean, you don't draft Newsom in the first round to have him rotate in. I mean, he's going to be a significant piece on that defense. And I think Joker fits because, you know, the NFL these days is all about sub packages and, and crazy, uh, alignments and, and wild, uh, stunts and all kinds of stuff. Well, Owusu Karamah is perfect for that kind of a game. He, I think he's perfect for the NFL 21st century game. And if nothing else, he can earn his paycheck, Jake, in my mind, in two games against the Baltimore Ravens, shadow Lamar Jackson from sideline to sideline, and try to contain Lamar Jackson. If he does that for two games, he's earned his paycheck. And methinks he thinks he's going to do a whole lot more than that. Yeah, he's exciting. He's exciting.
2: He's been the, the, the topic of conversation for so long. I will I will echo your sentiment about, about really craving a player of his of his mold. And 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 I know a lot of discussion centers around the devaluing of linebackers in the modern NFL, which is fine. But I I think that it's a player. I said it when they picked him, and I stand by it, that it's a player we haven't seen in Cleveland. It's it's a guy who can be a difference-making second-level player uh, on on the Browns defense. They've had difference-makers in the secondary. We obviously know they have difference-makers up front with Miles, adding Clowney. Uh, But this is a guy who's unique, 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 unique. You nailed it. And and I think that if he becomes what we think he can become, it will be awesome to see a second-level playmaker on the Browns defense. You you talked about Lamar. We're going to close with this, Dennis. Jake, we're the just AFC- getting started, my man. <laughs> the rest of the the rest of the AFC North is uh, is is interesting to me. I want I want your take on on the the. I mean, like the Bengals are are formulating something. I don't know if they're there, but they're formulating something. Uh, and Pittsburgh seems to be on the other side of that hill. And Baltimore has obviously creeped up to the top. They're sitting there ready, just like Cleveland. So. Who is the biggest issue in this division, in your opinion? Is it just Baltimore, or do you see the other two, Pittsburgh hanging on and Cincinnati doing a little bit more than people suspect?
1: Well, first, I think the the Ravens deserve to be uh, the team to beat in the AFC North. And and if I were the Browns, and I know the Browns have a lot of competitiveness and competitive pride and all that, but honestly – if I were the Browns, I I would do the Lou Holtz and I would just throw all kinds of bouquets at the feet of the brave and say, Oh, you guys are the greatest. There's no way you're going to, nobody can touch you in the AFC North create that uh, sort of ax to grind. So the Braves are like, wait a minute, we're, we're not as great as everybody's saying we are, Uh, but they deserve respect because they are, what is it? Two time defending AFC North champ now. Mm -hmm. Um, So and they have Lamar Jackson and they have plenty of pieces and I know they've lost some guys but they replenished and they're good and they deserve to be at least at the outset of the season the favorite in the division the Steelers I wouldn't count them out yet I was hoping that Ben would call it a career and it would be a full-blown rebuild for the Steelers unfortunately Roethlisberger said he's coming back and you know that's good news for Steelers fans bad news for uh, opponents, because I think Roethlisberger, if he gets into the type of shape that he wants to, or is capable of, uh, he can be a really good quarterback. We've seen it. And, um, you know, he's got weapons, certainly on the outside. So, yeah, they have a rebuild offensive line, and and they they are on the downside, and they've had cap casualties and all kinds of stuff. But I still respect Roethlisberger enough, especially, I mean, if you're in Cleveland and you don't respect Roethlisberger, there's something wrong with you because he's carved the Browns uh, for basically his entire career. So I think the Steelers are going to be – they're not going to be an easy mark. The Bengals are on the rise, Uh, yes. Burrow has to come back from the reconstructed knee, there's no doubt. But if you know if he looks good and they're targeting game one for him, if he looks like the Joe Burrow uh, that started last year and that played at LSU, then the Bengals are going to go places. They have skill position guys ready to rumble, and so it should be a fun division in terms, certainly in terms of the offensive capability. I mean, you think about the four offenses, especially if Roethlisberger is uh, sharp the four offenses in this division can be really impressive. And, and by the way, with the Browns Bengals, I mean, it's almost every game they play is compelling in some way, shape, or form, even when one team is down and the other one's up, they manage to play uh, wild and crazy games that are competitive and go into the fourth. So, um, it It's going to be a it's not going to be easy for the Cleveland Browns to rise in the uh, in the AFC North. But I would start by giving the Ravens the respect they deserve and then understanding the Steelers can still be dangerous, and that the bengals are uh, are coming. It's going to be
2: really, really fascinating. it's It is a division where four teams are hopeful, like genuinely hopeful. Uh, about their direction, even the Steelers are too. I, I, I we messed up. The Steelers somehow won the division last year. Uh, we 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 bought. Holy that smokes! I, That's right. I'm sorry, Jake.
1: It's all good. So I forgot. The, too. the previous two seasons would have been the Ravens because that would have been Lamar's rookie year and second year. I think the Ravens won, and then the Steelers I think, won last I think year. You're right. Yeah, yes, because the right. Steelers you're started right. 11 and 0. That's right. They yep. started <laughs> 11 and 0 last year. So yeah, went Bengals in the
2: in 13, 14 for Pittsburgh, 15 for Bengals again, then Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. So listen, the Browns haven't won the the division between the Central and the North. They haven't won that division they belong to since the year I was born, 1989. It is it is long overdue, man. It is long overdue and and you made some great points about this thing. It's going to be a it's going to be a whirlwind next five years of what this thing looks like, and I'm really fascinated to watch it. We could do this all night, but I got to run, Dennis. This was phenomenal, phenomenal stuff, my man. I can't thank you enough for coming on, taking taking a little bit of time for this podcast, and I look forward to maybe someday coming on your show
1: as well. Absolutely, Jake, and I really appreciate it. And by the way, how fun is it that we get 17 regular season games? Isn't that wild? <laughs> It's I know wild, the players then. don't think it's fun, but we
2: do. We definitely do. And we are excited to get people back in the stadium to watch them too. That'll
1: be fun. Dennis, tell everybody where they can find your show and, and, and all of it, all of it. Yeah. The Dennis Maniloff show is part of the press play podcast network and, uh, you can get it on, uh, whatever the methods you get them on Apple, Spotify, the whole deal, the press play podcast network is approved by all of the, uh, the carriers of podcasts. So. Uh, just look for the Dennis Maniloff show, and I really appreciate uh, any uh, subscriptions there. As we know, it's free, and you know the more subscriptions I'm next to my name, the better off it is. Good stuff, Dennis. It's great. Again, thanks for joining me, man. You got it, Jake. Thank you. Okay, guys,
2: that's a wrap for this episode. Uh, huge thank you again to Dennis for taking time, uh, especially from his busy schedule, to to record with us. Always appreciate that. A uh, huge thank you to you guys who, again, have given us a fantastic month of listens here on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, a fantastic month of uh, uh, of YouTube views. Everything. I think you guys really like this content. I'm getting a bunch of DMs, questions. Uh, you know, recommendations for sound, things, everything. I appreciate all of it. If you want a guest on, shoot me a DM, ask about a guest. People have asked about Dennis. We got Dennis on the show. We're going to get as many people on as you want. We got two months here to talk about things leading up to when it gets real serious. So be in contact with me through the OBR Film Breakdown Twitter account, through my account, whatever you want to do. Check out my Twitter. DM me. It's always open. Hit me up anytime. Jake at the OBR dot com always open to anything so that's a wrap for today appreciate you listening and until we check in
0: next time go browns this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand